Good evening from Plugkit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And this is episode 477 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network for August 27th, 2017. This week, HTC is shopping around, Sony is talking to Microsoft, and VidAngel cannot change content from anyone anymore. Wherever you are and however you're access- accessing our show, thank you for making us a part of your day, whether it be on Facebook, iTunes, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, Google Play, Music Podcasts on Android, a myriad of other podcatchers, including Stitcher, um, or on any of our live streaming platforms, including Livestream, YouTube Live, Mixer, and Periscope. Or, of course, on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. This here, as I said, is F5 Live, refreshing technology, the flagship show on the Pluggits Live family of content. We are live every Sunday night at about 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can join us live by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the chat rooms on any of the four platforms. Periscope is the one that's in front of me here in the studio, so if you really want my attention, that's probably your best bet, but I've got the other three open over here as well. Um, We definitely want your input as we talk. Uh, If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can subscribe too by going to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you can get F5 Live, the Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, which will be on in just a little bit, and Avram's going to talk about the uh, Intel uh, 8th Gen processors and whether or not it's time to buy um, our first look series which we're actually going to do a special episode of in a couple of weeks uh, for the FTC launch we're going to do uh, the uh, the robot and three uh, robot weekend uh, program we're going to join uh, a team here in Tampa and so we'll do a show from there which will be a special broadcast um, our special events and uh, all of our other series as well. I have a new one that's gonna be starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, since we travel a lot, we've decided, and we obviously we go to restaurants a lot, we've decided to talk about our travel and our food as we, as we travel. And uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be going to Anime Weekend Atlanta. Uh, so while I'm there, I'm going to start that series and talk about our experience uh, from place to place, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, and all of those will be available to subscribe there. And uh, the 3000 Brigade podcast, which has its first episode of the relaunch, uh, which we'll be publishing hopefully this week from uh, MetroCon a couple of weeks ago. So definitely go there and uh, and subscribe to all of that. And I think with that, Avram, my spiel is done. How are you? Great. I think I've got the uh, the the old script back. What do you think? <laughs> yes. Yes. you got got it back <laughs> so how was your week all right not not too bad you know biz, busy times yes uh, lots of lots of interesting lots of interesting news i mean i think people were uh you know monday was a big day in our office because of the eclipse i was going to ask about how uh, that, all that went uh good good i mean it was record-setting traffic for our uh sister site space.com and i that's awesome i helped them out uh i wrote a couple articles for them uh 
during the day to, to help them out. Uh, probably got more visitors than anything I ever write. <laughs> uh, and they really weren't that big of an article. Like, uh, big, big, like, uh, let's see. I wrote an article about, I wrote an article about, uh, President Trump forgetting to put on uh-huh. his, his, uh, his glasses. And that was getting ridiculous traffic. <laughs> and it wasn't just, I mean, obviously it wasn't, I wasn't the primary source. I wasn't there at the White House. Right. I was just, you know, uh, re- you know, repeating the news that sure. was out there. Uh, but, um, but nevertheless, <laughs> being on space.com, that's a place that people would want to, to read about that kind of thing. Sure. So, um, uh, you know, so it's, uh, uh, it's been an interesting week. And then, uh, obviously big news with Intel, which we'll talk about. Yeah. We'll talk about a few, uh, launching their new CPUs to some uh, some controversy, um, and uh, you know, and we prepare next week is going to be uh, IFA Berlin, big tech show. I personally am not going, but um, my colleagues uh, Andrew Friedman and Phil Michaels are going, and they're going to be covering all the stuff there. And we know there's going to be a lot of. Uh, a lot of uh, you know new products announced. Oh, and unless we forget the uh, the Galaxy Note eight, yes, you know was announced this week. And Android Oreo, and Android Oreo, which we were right on the name. Right, Galaxy Note eight. Did you know that uh, Samsung in their endless quest for creative spelling does not put a space before the eight? Yes, they did the same thing with the seven. It drove me crazy uh, every time I saw a space between the note and the seven on in like articles and stuff. I'm like, ah, that's not the name of the phone. But <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I'm not necessarily a fan of not putting the space, but I I think that it's funny. Abrams in his his first five minute pause. Um, <clears throat> I I'm not a fan of not putting the space, but if they're not going to put the space, I think we should not put the space. But anyway, oh, you're moving uh, again. Welcome back. You know, I have to, I have to say this is my final comment on this. Cause we've got more important stuff to talk about. <laughs> the, uh, you know, we have a rule at, uh, our parent company perch. So this rule applies to laptop and Tom's guide, uh, where I'm an editor and it applies to all of our other sites as well. Uh, we don't give in to marketing spelling. Like, there's, I mean, there's some cases where it's like, okay, like you owe people always spell ThinkPad with a capital P and MacBook with a capital B, uh, and and that's fine. But all these companies that want to do all kinds of wackadoodle spelling, like don't put a space between Note and Eight, uh, or you know, they want to, oh, they want to all caps their name, their their name when it's not an abbreviation just to like scream at you uh you know our our copy desk says no we won't do that so um you know or like in nvidia tries to spell their name with a lowercase n and an uppercase v mm-hmm. I w- it's a crime it's a crime against grammar i would like to point out that um i had no idea that apple capitalized the b in macbook i just checked just because I had I had absolutely no idea that they did that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, there's a few things like that that is such such a 
makes sense common spelling okay we'll go along with it but when people want to all cap things or like do all kinds of crazy capitalizations like lowercase first letter but capitalize some other letters like that's i think that's a a bridge too far so <laughs> and and i think the search results will also bear out like what are people searching for too when you write articles sure you want to make sure that you're using what people are searching for in google I, Fair I sincerely doubt that anyone is searching for uh, Galaxy Note 8 with the E and the no. 8. Yeah. Have no space. Uh, uh, or so, other than myself. Yeah, I can. Other than, other than the person marketing manager at Samsung who came up with that idea. Or or for all, or in previous, uh, previous case, Samsung likes to spell their S series with a space between the S and, and the number. So like Galaxy S space eight or Galaxy S space seven. Uh huh. Like nobody search nobody searches for it that way though. No. So Yeah, yeah I understand. You know. The the public speaks with their search terms about what is a reasonable spelling. Sure. Yeah, that makes thing. sense. <clears throat> All right. So we'll talk about Intel in a little bit, but uh for now, how about we get down to some news? This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Back to school. Right now, students can save 10% on the new Surface Pro and uh, many other products throughout the uh, Microsoft Store, whether it be uh, a Surface product, the Surface Pro, the Surface Book, something like that, or an Xbox One S, uh, pre-order uh, pre of the One X, um, by the way, uh, the One S has a new bundle this week right now uh, for Minecraft. I'm not even into Minecraft, and I've got to say it's probably the most attractive custom Xbox I've ever seen, so maybe go check it out. Uh, but it's not just the Microsoft products. There's the HTC Vive, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Uh, $200 price discount started this week. Uh, you can get that as well, and a bunch of games, and office, and all of that. Everything that you need for back to school or uh, for your office by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, speaking of HTC, huh, um, they have been in an interesting place as of late it uh in the old days like htc was one of the names in smartphones they uh they manufactured they white labeled hardware for palm they white labeled hardware for t-mobile and sprint and verizon uh they manufactured stuff under their own name they supported basically any operating system that was out there they they were like the guys, if you wanted to produce a smartphone and you didn't want to build it yourself, HTC is probably who built it for you. Um, in the last couple of years, though, not so much. They've really kind of shrunk down their focus uh, and it hasn't gone well for them. Uh, they've been in some financial trouble for a while. It's if you go, you know, check out any of the the, the financial blogs or even, you know, a lot of tech blogs you'll see you know quarterly reports have not been great for them 
they did decide they wanted to try and at least somewhat go back to the old days where they had a more diverse portfolio than just Android phones. And so they partnered up with uh, Steam or Valve to produce uh, the HTC Vive, which Avram talks about often that he, he loves there's, that, that there's piece no of hardware. Compar- there's no comparison in anything that I've used to the Vive. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've seen a bunch of stuff in action, and I'm totally with you. The Vive, for for enclosed VR, the Vive is it. I mean, two, it's two years old at this point, and frankly, you know, nothing that we've seen seen comes some comes close to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, have you tried the new Windows... Uh, you know, the new Windows VR, I guess they call them mixed reality, but you know that if you tried like the Acer prototype or any of those, I've, yeah. I've had a couple of models. Yeah. What do, what do you think of the quality? Um, yeah, they're the ones that are out there right now are not great. Um, the, like what are, the, what are they? The, the Acer and the HP are the two that are out in the wild. Yeah. Right. So, but but all of them use. I found this out. They all use the same same hardware. It's just the design that's different. So the other whatever other companies are coming out with them, you're not going to get like sharper images or something like that. Like it, it, the main difference is going to be what they bundle with it and how you like the look and comfort of the, the headset. Okay. But as far as like the the resolution and the you know all that stuff, and the sensors, it's uh, it's a standard. Apparently, it's not a, like some will do better and some will do worse. Um, at least that's what I've been, been told by a few vendors. So, you know, I look at that and it was it's blurry. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, OK, you, if you stare at something in the piece it'll of software up. for a little while, it'll focus up what's in your main vision, but not what's in your peripheral. Yeah. And it's not immediate. Uh, and so, frankly, it's I found it kind of sick, you know, you know, and I didn't use it for very long. Yeah, it got a little vomit inducing because and, it's like so blurry. And 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 the point of of talking about these headsets is the fact that like they're technically not even out yet. <laughs> like right, right. So and, they're, they're and they're, they're not even close new. to the Vive. They're brand new and they're not even close to the Vive. Yeah. So I mean, Vive being is more expensive, but you know, you, you've had years you know, a couple of years to try and catch up to the vibe and nobody has. And, and so, you know, it's without question, the best VR experience. Sure. And you know that, and you know, now, uh, today the, the price difference is not what it was. Yes. It's about double. Uh, the vibe is now coming in at like 600 and the, the Acer and HP are coming in at 300. But for that, that double is totally, different well you know look it's like the same thing about saying do you want to buy like a cheap you know the cheapest thing to buy is nothing right right so if you're going to get an experience that's not very good and you can't afford the experience that is good this isn't like you know food clothing and shelter it's it's you know it's vr entertainment so you could skip it until you it becomes affordable right or you can afford it exactly so yeah you know, but I mean, getting back to HTC, like to me, that's their real strength right now. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, in the world of phones, which is probably accounts for more of their revenue, because 
Vive is kind of expensive and kind of a still kind of boutique product, um, you know, for early adopters. Yeah. And, and also there's another barrier to entry, which is you need space in your house. Right. And that's a serious barrier to entry. Sure. Like I have a house, not an apartment. And, you know, after I saw, listen, after I saw the Vive a couple of times, I keep on asking my wife, listen, can we like clear a room for, <laughs> and then I'll buy a Vive just so we can have like a Vive room? It's like, what room are we going to get the house? We're going to give up just to have Vive, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and how, how often are you going to play it to justify that? I mean, it's, it's really difficult because you need to have maybe not a whole room, but you need to have like a certain amount of like open free space. Yeah, for sure. Without furniture in it, without a, you know, a pole or a wall yep. or, you know, like it's, it's an issue. So, you know, but, hey, but Hey, if you get to try it, wow. Whereas their phones, their phones haven't been that impressive the last couple of years. They yeah. used to be, but now they're like, not not much of a competitor yeah and and it's put them in in it it's one of those cats 22s right they they started to see sales decreases because samsung was owning the android space and so just like uh, a panicky restaurant right so quality gets cut a little bit to save costs and then sales go down because of it and so they found themselves in a in a spiral that's put them into financial trouble. And so where we are today is they are considering their options. The exact phrase, of course, is that they are um, uh, looking at, oh, I can't remember the exact words. It's a business speak for, uh, we're looking for a buyer. Uh, Exploring strategic options, that's the term, uh, which is basically business speak for uh, we're considering a buyer. Now, here's the thing. They're not necessarily considering a buyer for the whole company. They are considering possibly spinning the Vive division into its own company and then letting the handset division go or possibly letting the whole thing go. They're, they're that very early. Strategic options means we don't quite know what we're doing, but we know we're in trouble and something has to change. Well... If I were, this is interesting, interesting question. If I were another company and I could buy the Vive division and not the phone division, although here's my, here's one of my questions. Why has nobody else come out with the Vive? If they're mm-hmm. working with Steam, do, is, do they have like an exclusive that only they can make, that only they can make this type of thing? Uh, a steam powered headset? No. Yeah. So, I mean, because technically, granted, technically, the uh, Samsung VR devices can access the, all the Steam stuff too, or at yeah. least most of it. I mean, I guess the tracking is is part of it. I, I mean, it would be nice to see somebody who really cares uh, about like pushing that envelope because also. They haven't done anything with it in like two years. Like it's great. And they still haven't done that much with it in two years. So like I can only imagine what it would be like in the hands of a company that like really was trying to push, push it. Yeah. Um, And so I, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to see like a regular 
hardware vendor buy it, like a regular PC OEM, like a, a Dell or a Lenovo or whatever, mm-hmm. buy it. Because I feel like... Definitely not HP. Yeah, I feel like... Not that those companies are bad, but, you know, like, their acquisitions haven't... Uh, well, like, it needs to somebody who's more push, good at pushing new platforms. Yeah. Rather than, like, being part of another platform, like being part of Microsoft or being part of Android. Well, the, uh, the possibility also exists that Vive becomes what HTC is. And the hardware yeah. division is the thing that goes up for sale. Yeah, it's it's it, it's possible. But I but I'm also just thinking like someone else could do more with it. Yeah. Like a, a logical choice actually would probably be Microsoft. But I don't know because like they have Microsoft has its own competing things, but it also has said that Vive will be part of the uh windows mixed reality right mm-hmm. absolutely so it supports it supports the windows 10 mixed right now yeah so i mean i think i actually think microsoft would be a good good owner for them i mean because it would give I them think, it would give them two two ways internally two ways to look at uh the mixed reality concept yeah well nobody's you know, here's the thing. $3,500 is uh-huh. only for, for businesses. You know, there are other headsets. So yeah. so they're not really playing in the same space. Right. So this would give them, this would give them the, the, the full high-end, self-contained HoloLens and then yeah. the, the more traditional tethered Vive, uh, both being able to do Windows 10 Mixed which obviously they've already got a partnership with HTC on it. It it wouldn't be a a bad place for Microsoft to be, and then allow like HP and Acer to be in that three hundred dollar price point, so that all yeah. of a sudden Windows Ten Mixed has this huge range of of capabilities that kind of yeah. anybody could get into. You're, that would be an interesting thing. Right now, it looks like. The phone division is the part that they want to put up. And that, believe it or not, Google is the company that they're talking to after having failed once to have a hardware division. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah, the noise I, that I made, too. Like, <laughs> I don't think Google wants to be in hardware, though. Like, I, it's it's weird. They have very mixed feelings about being in hardware, it seems like. And it almost seems to change day to day. Right, because, you know, no, they never manufactured their own Nexus. Do we know who manufactured the Pixel? I don't remember. I feel like I knew at one point. But supposedly they designed it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, one of the little secrets that a lot of people will know is a lot of companies don't have actually own factories. Like right. a lot of, like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of companies that, exist in china just to manufacture stuff for other people um fox for example foxconn fox, being the company that everybody recognizes yeah foxconn is not only used by apple but there's a lot of foxconn like companies out there that do do stuff like uh, uh some people may not know that asus runs one called pegatron that does oh. does manufacturing for other people um so msi oh. i believe does it <laughs> so 
the the pixel was HTC. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, well, unfortunately, the pixel. While a lot of people liked it, including me, nobody liked the design. Um, you know. Yeah. We liked we liked the camera, and we liked you know we maybe liked the software, but the design was even when it came out looked outdated, and now looks really outdated. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, I mean. At one time, HTC was really rocking with their designs. I mean, you know, just they had, HTC we had the first 4G phone. HTC used to be an innovator, but that time has long since passed. Yeah, uh, I mean, I so, used to. I I have a whole case of HTC phones from my past, but that wouldn't be the case today. Yeah. So. Uh, I wish them luck. I mean, I would say that I feel sad that, you know, another independent company may be getting swallowed. And I, I don't like that from that because the market needs competition, but so far I just haven't had their groove in a long yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. So, if, so if, if you want to stick can, around, you have to, you have to compete. You can't just get complacent. And that's really what, what HTC did. Now, I mean, like, for example, who is competing? Like, LG is competing in Android space. Like, I wouldn't say that they're necessarily winning, but they have, like, they're trying really hard. They've yeah. come out with some really compelling phones, and they keep going at it. Of course, LG also has the advantage of being a much larger company that maybe they can afford to not be a leader, not be the leader in phones because they're a leader in TVs or, sure. or whatever. So yeah. they have a lot to fall back on, uh, unlike HTC. But yeah, I mean, it's, they just haven't uh, excited anyone in a long time, I think. So maybe someone could come along and give them some swagger back. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It would, it would be nice because it's a company that I, definitely uh have liked <laughs> like i said i've had at least a dozen htc devices and as like as my primary device over a long period of time and so it would be nice to see that brand kind of live up to what the letters stand for high-tech computer it would be nice <laughs> to see them uh live up to what the letters stand for This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster Elements, available in on-ear and over-ear. They are by far my favorite headphones I've ever owned, but they're not for everybody. There are also other styles, uh, smaller versions, in-ear, uh, small sports style, Bluetooth, corded, and of course speakers. Everything from the little tiny hotshot to the big monster blaster whose uh, review went up today um, and of course all the cables uh, to connect these and your computer and all of your other devices and power as well available by going to f5live.tv slash monster and 
And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram! Hey! Intel! Intel! It's been a big so, week. It's been a big week. So, for those who are not keep track every year, every, last few years around this time, late August, September, uh, Intel announces a refresh to their CPU, to their CPU line. Uh, and they always give it something gen core. So now we're on the eighth gen, uh, you know, eighth gen core. What is what does that mean for those who don't know? It means they've taken last year's CPU, the CPUs that are in all the laptops now and pretty much all the new desktops, new ones made, they're replacing them with newer ones that are a little bit faster, or maybe a lot faster. Uh, but they start slow. So right now they're coming out with four CPUs uh, and they're only going to be for mainstream consumer laptops. So these are what are called uh, U-series processors, Core i5 and Core i7 processors. Uh, so the ones that you see in most, uh, most laptops, except for ones that have, except for gaming laptops and, and workstations, which have H-series processors. Uh, and then the, the, the really thin two-in-ones that have a Y series, that's not being refreshed yet. Now, all these things are going to be refreshed. Business notebooks, not until January because they probably not until January, they didn't say exactly, because, um, you know, they don't come out with those at the same time. So you're going to see um, when Intel refreshes their CPU almost immediately, a, but a lot, most of the major PC manufacturers announced that they're refreshing uh, their laptop lines. So, uh, you know, we would expect uh, we would expect uh, I, the IFA show is coming up uh, this week, and we would expect uh, to see major refresh announcements from you know all the big uh, PC vendors. Uh, obviously, Apple doesn't doesn't go by doesn't march the beat of its own drummer. So I wouldn't expect to see MacBooks updated probably till next spring. And Microsoft uh, also kind of operates on its own schedule. That's for so sure. So I wouldn't expect to see any of the surfaces uh, updated soon unless they decide to update the Surface Book because it's been like two years already since they've, you know, updated it. So, uh, so, so there's that. But, uh, should you or should you not wait for this? Well, if you are considering buying one of the consumer notebooks that that ha- would have a U-series processor, which is basically any most Core i5 and Core i7 notebooks, you should seriously consider waiting for the 8th Gen Core where, process- where laptops with them will probably be out within uh, you know one to two months. Why should you wait? Because... For the first time with 8th Gen Core, you're getting quad-core processor. You're getting a quad-core processor uh, in a mainstream consumer notebook. Like, up until now, you've had to buy either a more expensive gaming notebook or some type of a workstation notebook to get four cores. Four, having four cores means you're going to do have better multitasking, and everyone's multitasking. It doesn't matter whether you have one window open You've got a lot of stuff running in the background. So it's going to run four cores and eight threads, which means like eight different tasks at a time. Uh, and that's like, you know, uh, 
really go, going to improve performance. So with that and with some other architectural sort of behind the scenes things Intel has done, Intel claims that their chip, the new chips are going to be 40% uh, faster than last year's, obviously depending on what task. Now we haven't gotten to test them yet, so we can't say with absolute certainty that they perform significant that that much better. But going from dual core to going to quad core seems like a pretty big leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's some controversy here that I uh, and if you're not a big uh, been follow and if you've not been following uh, Intel processors uh, for a few years, if it's you know then this won't matter to you. But uh, all the processors have a kind of besides being six inch core, seven inch core, eight inch core, they all have like a a code name, right? For what the the architecture, the the design inside of the chip is. So the seven inch core last year's uh, model was called KB Lake. This year's eighth gen core, the first group of them are going to be called, guess what? KB Lake Refresh. Now, so they've just made a slight change. Now, everybody knows, because the people who follow the industry know what sort of Intel's next few generations are, are codenamed, everyone was expecting a completely new architecture called Coffee Lake and then another one called Cannon Lake after that. And Cannon Lake is highly anticipated because Cannon Lake is going to take the size of the die for the processor and shrink it down from 14 to 10 nanometers. Uh, and when you do that, you bring, uh, you improve the amount of uh, performance you can get uh, because you, you're, you're basically generating less heat and using less power to do the same thing. So um, so everyone's been waiting for this die shrink to get from 14 nanometers, which we've had for like the last three years or so, down to 10. Now, what's confusing is when that comes out, it's still going to be called 8th Gen Core. Uh-huh. So Intel is calling KB Lake Refresh 8th Gen Core. They're going to call Coffee Lake, which is still 14 nanometers, but is a new architecture, 8th gen core, and they're going to call Cannon Lake, the new long anticipated 10 nanometer processor, also 8th gen core. So all three different architectures are going to have the same brand name. Right now, the only one that's coming out, those four chips are KB Lake Refresh. But over time, they plan to use the same brand name for several different types of chip, which could be very confusing for users. Absolutely. Um, I imagine that they will, that like, obviously the the model numbers themselves, like for example, sitting in front of me, I've got a Surface Book and it's got a a 6600U, which lets us know a couple of things, 6th gen U series, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, But it also lets us know that with the, the 66, that it's, of a certain spec. If you're really looking, no, you, you you'll listen, be able to tell, right? Listen, you can, you, I mean, if you, first of all, there are many ways you'll be able to tell if you know to look. So in, in fairness, like my colleague, Andrew Friedman wrote an article about how this is confusing in fairness, 
if you're geeky if you're geeky enough to care you're probably geeky enough to look to look it up and find out uh there's a lovely website that everyone should know about called arc.intel.com where you can plug in the name of any processor that intel has ever made and it will or or you know is making now and it will tell you all the specs about that processor what what year it came out how many nanometers it is like whether it supports vpro management or not like how many cores it has maximum clocks like all the little details about every processor so if there's ever a question about like what if you get the model number of a processor there's no doubt you can get all the details if you want to go online and go to arc.intel.com or, or somewhere else probably on wikipedia too um but you know for the person uh the person looking you know looking at the sticker on it or looking reading the spec sheet uh they may not they may not necessarily be aware of all these differences and uh, you know we'd like we'd like things to be a little bit more transparent to to the reader to to the to the person reading the the spec sheet or, or whatever however that gives you even more reason to go to laptopmag.com and and and, uh, and other sites that do reviews because we will inform you uh when these things happen and, and and how well the processors work which is really the bottom line of what you care about like am i getting good battery life am i getting good performance that's what you really care about and and could i be getting better performance with something else uh so so bottom line I'm really, really interested to see how these eighth gen core processors perform. Uh, I would be really interested to see whether they have an impact, a negative impact on battery life, which would offset any performance gains because you gains because you really want good battery life. Uh, Intel has been kind of cagey about the battery life. They've said these systems will get over, many of them will get up to ten hours or something, which is not great because you know they, there are a lot of systems get over 10 hours but i think they're maybe softballing it I, ultimately it comes down to how because the battery in the laptop uh-huh. which intel has no control over how much does the screen use up all that stuff but if you had a two different computers that were otherwise the same one with seventh gen and one with eighth gen you know would the battery life be the same or would eighth gen be better or would eighth gen be worse my guess would be the best that we could hope for is the same because you're doubling the number of cores. So it's hard to believe mm. that it would actually do better. Fair enough. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. So, so to make a, a, a long story short, if you're considering buying a consumer PC laptop now, something that would have a Core i5 or Core i7 is not a gaming notebook or a workstation or a business laptop. <laughs> you know, your standard... Uh, you know, Dell Inspiron, Lenovo IdeaPad, uh, type of, of HP Pavilion, Spectre, whatever type of laptop, uh, you know, those types of laptop, you know, just mainstream consumer laptops, uh, I would I would consider waiting to see if, if the laptop that you have your eye on is going to be refreshed in the next couple of months. Sure. Uh, now, if you're con- spending under 500 bucks, uh, don't worry about it because they're not replacing Core i3 and they're not replacing Pentium or Celeron processors, the processors that you usually see in sub $500 laptops. Oh, okay. So uh, those aren't getting replaced anytime 
soon. So so basically, it's it's a little bit of a narrow band. Only Core i5 and Core i7 U-series laptops are getting refreshed in the next couple months. But those are some of the most popular ones. So As, so, as I said, so, it's the... It's the one that's sitting in front of me is the i7U. So, right, that, exactly. That shows its popularity. That there just happens to be one of the processors yeah, we're talking it, about exactly. sitting here on you the know, desk. Most of the laptops that we review in a, in a year, I wouldn't say all. I wouldn't say it's like seventy or eighty percent, but like the plural, the the maybe more than fifty percent of the ones mm-hmm. we review in a given year would fall into this category. Gotcha. And do we know anything about the i3, or is it just it'll happen at I, some point? Yes, at some point. Okay. I, I mean, that's I, all I, the information you know, we have. Yeah, no, that's, that's all. Fine. The, like Intel, uh, Intel has been very cagey about when they're going to release other stuff. My guess is they did say something about, well, we plan to make an announcement about desktop chips sometime this fall. But since okay. they didn't say we plan to make an announcement about Core i3, mm-hmm. or we plan to make an announcement about Celeron, <laughs> Celeron and Pentium, or we care, or we, we plan to make an announcement about the H series, or the business uh, yeah. versions of the U series, um, my expectation is CES gotcha. because that's what it's been the last few years. Yeah, right. The last few years, Intel's done exactly this. They've released. They've released uh, the the mainstream consumer U series ones in uh, in September, uh, and then they've released most of the other ones in January. So my guess is, if you're thinking about a gaming notebook or a business notebook or a or or a uh, workstation, which I guess would be a business notebook too, uh, or a budget notebook, unless you really want to wait like six months, because January's not six months away, but if they're announcing the chip in January, your favorite computer probably won't be the, the computer that you were thinking of getting probably won't actually hit the shelf till February or March. Right. So, um, so just some, just some food for thought as you're, as you're planning, planning out your purchase, if you are planning a purchase or thinking about, Hey, should I get a new laptop next year? Yeah. Maybe may, this may be a good opportunity. Sure. Well, as always, Avram, definitely appreciate uh, the information. Details that obviously I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily able to keep up on. I knew that Intel announced stuff. I I read I read Andrew Friedman's uh, article, um, but even even there, I I'm just not able to to hold all of it in my head. And I'm glad that you are. Ah. Uh. It's one of the few things that I can hold. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always appreciate you bringing that de- those details to us. Uh, always a pleasure. So if you want to read more about this, about Intel HN Core, or about laptops in general, I certainly recommend you go to laptopmag.com where we have all this information along with uh, reviews of, of all the, the best laptops today. Oh, and the worst ones too. But we have a best <laughs> list of the best ones. I guess I guess a a worst list is is pretty important too. <laughs> no, we don't have a worst list. But oh, okay. We, we review you review you know our our goal is to review everything. So, sure. Sure. You know, if we only reviewed things that we thought would be good, then we wouldn't be doing a, a good service. Absolutely. So we have lists of the best ones, but if you look through our raw list of reviews, you'll see 
you'll also see some of the worst ones because <laughs> there's no good without bad. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. like we've always said, without the, the bad, we don't have a place in the industry. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so thank you, Intel, for confusing people with this branding <laughs> because they'll need to read my articles. There you go. <laughs> and uh, definitely do that. Definitely uh, read the articles. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Create or destroy. Get $500 in creative software or $200 in games when you buy select Razer Blade laptops. Powered by Intel Core i7, which, funny, we were just talking about that. Um, if you buy uh, Stealth, you can get uh, Krell Painter and Video Studio and Aftershot for free. If you buy a Razer Blade or a Pro, you can get World of Warships and Counter-Strike and Robocraft and uh, Dreadnought and a whole bunch of other games as well. It's as easy as finding the computer that you're looking for, um, receiving an email, and then downloading the software. It's that easy. Uh, they've got laptops ranging from uh, $13.49 all the way up to four grand, uh, and all of them have... Uh, are part of that bundle so uh to find all those bundles and of course uh a good mouse a mouse pad a keyboard any of that uh you can go to f5live.tv slash razor or even a uh, a computer case <laughs> i actually got a razor computer case on the editing machine anyway that's not what we're talking about let's talk about microsoft and sony and the fact that you cannot cross-play between consoles. Um, a number of developers have wanted to implement this capability. Microsoft, about two years ago, came out and said, uh, we're super excited, we really... Xbox Live, uh, the matchmaking stuff, all available for cross-play, let's do this. And uh, Sony has basically said, uh, no thanks. Um, the, the developers for Rocket League um, a little while ago said that they were ready. We're ready to implement cross-play, uh, that it would only take about a one business day worth of work to have it working globally. And again, Sony uh, said, no, thank you. You're not allowed to do that, or we will not allow the game to continue to exist on PlayStation. Oh, well, that's that's pretty intense uh things may be in the may be in the in the process of changing though um microsoft has launched uh what's it minecraft one of the best known games out there uh on everything including playstation 4 and apparently microsoft and sony have been in talks to allow uh, Minecraft to play cross-platform, which for a user-generated content game like Minecraft seems essential. And you know that Microsoft's all about it because the Switch already supports the, the common collection. So 
Uh, at Gamescom, uh, the head of marketing for Xbox, Aaron Greenberg, said, absolutely, we're talking to Sony about crossplay. We do partner with them on Minecraft, and of course, we would like to enable them to be part of that, one community to unite gamers. So we're talking to them, and we're hopeful that they'll be supportive of it. So talks are happening. Hopefully, Minecraft will officially be one platform, one one collection, and that could spark the beginning of seeing games like Rocket League or even AAA titles like Call of Duty, where it doesn't matter whether you're on PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, it wouldn't matter. If somebody has bought the game, you can play against players. So I, I think I understand Sony's point of view here. Uh, I don't think it's good for consumers. I don't think it's good for the industry. Uh, but I understand why Sony is taking this, has taken this position, at least up until now. Seems to me like with Sony, what you have is like they don't have as much uh, leverage, right, as Microsoft. First of all, Microsoft has the IP here in Minecraft. So, sure. And so Sony can't really, like, Sony, it, you want people to, if you're Sony, you probably want people to be able to play Minecraft and have a full experience mm-hmm. on on a PlayStation because it makes you makes the PlayStation less uh, less uh, less valuable if if they can't. Yeah, but it makes it time, a second. It makes it a second class citizen. At the same time, I think Microsoft has kind of a natural advantage in uh, over Sony. I mean, Sony. The PlayStation obviously has, I think, probably probably a, a rich, longer, richer history than Xbox. But although Xboxes go back quite a way too, uh, but with the, all the integration that Microsoft has done with Windows 10, and you know, being able to kind of, and and I also think Xbox does a great job of like not forcing you to to like buy the same games again when you upgrade or like it's backward compatible with the old games. Uh, Like there's a lot of like for someone who's not invested in either platform yet, uh, there's a lot of reasons to go with Xbox and not nearly as many reasons to go with Sony. Now you start, now you start bringing people into the same community so they can play with their friends who have Xbox Hmm. Maybe maybe this PlayStation thing not not quite as valuable. Maybe trying to keep the system proprietary is is how they is how they survive. Well, that's also been Sony's like corporate philosophy on everything for decades is uh very very much the way Apple works today, right? Uh eh, standards, not interested. We we've got our own idea. You wanna you wanna interlink components? No problem. It's an eighth inch cable, but it won't work with anything but our stuff. That you know that's that's kind of always been Sony's corporate mentality. Is it's all about us and forget everybody else. Uh, but today, the way the gaming community works, if if you're forced into a into a, a closed system, I think that's the thing that ends up making people 
reconsider switching. Yeah. Well, I I think yeah, it's a double-edged sword yeah. for them, right? Because they're not up they're not with the times that like in terms of at least cross-platform play, you know, open is winning. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I mean, but, if you can play the same game between PC, Xbox and Nintendo, it kind of makes Sony look like an island out in the Yeah. No, I think they're going to have to do it. Yeah. I think they're going to have to do it. But, you know, I think there's like Nintendo wins because because Nintendo is almost like a different it's like a hamburger. It's like a hamburger in a White Castle, right? Uh-huh. If you want a White Castle slider, you don't want a hamburger. It's not the same. It looks right. the same, but it's not the same food. Right. Right. Like it's not like and it's Burger definitely King. not the same consumer base. It's but Burger King and McDonald's hamburgers sure. are two versions of the same thing of the same thing, really. I mean, it's my professional hamburger opinion. Yeah, but absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> so Nintendo is sort of like White Castle. Like you, you can enjoy uh, Xbox or PlayStation and also have a Nintendo because sure. Nintendo offers a different experience. They have games that only play for them. Right. And, and so like and it's not about having the best performance or like the the top features it's about like this sort of mario zelda like world that Uh you want to play so so like so so nintendo nintendo can live can be comfortable living in a world where xbox is also very successful you can go you can go buy your white castle and eat in the lobby of the mcdonald's with your friend yeah yeah it's 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 fun like but like for those games you're you're doing both but like you know i think nintendo gets in trouble when they start letting uh microsoft like make make mario kart or hell like have mario kart on on xbox oh absolutely then then they may have some trouble but um but playstation there's not that many platform exclusives between the two platforms you have the playstation vr which i've tried also and was not impressed with um so so like you know the more things that kind of open up open up the that are not proprietary to sony kind of makes you wonder like what's their um selling point over xbox when xbox has all this great like integration with your pc and and like the other computers that in your life yeah it's it's definitely going to be an interesting challenge for them because like you said it seems like it seems inevitable that they're going to have to get on board with this because the the idea of of being the the island doesn't it seems like the thing that's more detrimental to them than the idea of of possibly looking like there's not as much to them you know my yeah but once once they do this, I bet they see uh, online gameplay go up, uh, even on like older titles. Maybe if if crossplay is added to to like last last year's stuff, if if it's as easy as Rocket League says it is, uh, maybe you'll see some of the older stuff like this current generation's Call of Duty add crossplay capabilities. So they may actually see subscriptions to PSN and stuff like that go up as a result. But I think what it's going to do is it's going to force them 
to get creative, which they have not really done in a couple of years. So, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, I I want Sony to get creative again. I miss I miss that like true battle Xbox PlayStation where every day you're like, oh, did I or didn't I choose the right platform? I I miss those days. Uh, this generation just hasn't had it, especially after uh, Windows 10 came to the Xbox One. It just it just doesn't seem like this generation has that that true battle anymore, and I'd love to see some somebody light a fire under Sony to do it. And I think not having the exclusive for online play would be the thing that would force Sony to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think the natural next step for these systems is to make VR as as easy and as integrated, uh, you know, to the game experiences. Uh oh, Abram. You just. You just. So much. Hey, Abram. You just broke up on us and you went into slow motion. Will you say that sentence again? Okay, I'm sorry. I think. I just think. Uh, in closing, I just think the next step for for both uh, Microsoft and for Sony is how do we how do we make VR as seamless as we make non-VR gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously both both companies think they have an idea on that with the PlayStation Pro and the, the Xbox One X, but let's see it. Let, let's, that might be like the real, the real fight. And I, yeah, I'm with you on that. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because, you know, that's what they get paid for. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to star games, they've got a little bit of everything. The way it works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3. Play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, however, they shake things up and they do a live event. The last one was uh, Doctor Who, The Five Doctors. The next one will be Night of the Living Dead on October 25th in theaters nationwide. I cannot wait for this one. This might be my highlight of the year, unless they do another Sharknado. Uh <laughs> Because those are the best. <laughs> They're already terrible to begin with. Anyway, uh, so you can uh, find out all the theaters that Night of the Living Dead will be playing in. You can find out all the movies and short films that have been riffed by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Not entirely sure why my voice cracked there at the end, but whatever. Uh... It is what it is. Anyway, so Facebook. Um, we talked about them last week and the fact that they're trying to deal with uh, misleading content. And this week, they announced some new features also around content, uh, this time around Instant Articles. One of the things that Instant Articles has done is uh, 
generated a lot of new views for uh, publishers. But what it hasn't exactly done is allowed publishers to generate uh, revenue. So uh, Facebook has created a new program for inside of the instant article program that will allow publishers to create a paywall, either a partial or a full paywall. Uh, so for example, maybe the New York Times publishes 25 things to instant articles in a week and five of them are free and the other 20 require you to be on the subscription service. Uh, Facebook is not going to be responsible for the subscriptions. They are not going to take a cut of the subscriptions today. Uh, and the publisher will be entirely responsible for it. Don't know how it's going to work. I've been trying to do some research on it because I've been doing research on instant articles as it is. Uh, I do not have enough information as of right now, but uh, Zuckerberg said if people subscribe after seeing news stories on Facebook, the money will go directly to publishers who work hard to uncover the truth, and Facebook won't take a cut. We plan to start with a small group of U.S. and European publishers later this year, and we'll listen to their feedback seemingly before uh, rolling it out to all instant articles publishers. So that's an interesting idea. Yeah, well, you know, it, I'm curious. Do we know how much of a cut they take on non-subscription articles, like on the ads that are shown? Uh-uh. I, I mean, I, I haven't examined this so thoroughly about how many ads you get to see. I mean, I know with AMP, with AMP, it's a very, it's a limited suite of ads. It's not like the full Monty of ads that you get on a regular web page. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really hard being in the, I, I say this because I hear about it every day. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really hard being in the publishing, uh, web publishing business. Actually, I should just say publishing business. Because who's not publishing on the web? Right. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're not media, if you're like publishing, you know, books, then then you don't worry about it because people have to, you know, are used to paying for those. Sure. But sure. If you're if you're trying to run a news organization uh -huh. of some type, then uh, you have then the options for for earning revenue it just keeps getting harder and harder. Yeah. People want to block your ads with a with an ad blocker. Uh, and in some ways that makes it worse because like companies start running more aggressive ads because they, to, to, to get the money that they can for people who aren't blocking them. Uh, then you have platforms like Facebook instant articles where they, you know, where you don't get to run, I don't know how many ads you get to run and how much Facebook takes of it, but you don't get to run your full suite of ads that you right. need to make money. Uh, you know, you, uh, and and you know google the same thing with amp but you know that a lot of people are finding you the, these ways so and you're at a disadvantage if you don't if you don't use them in terms of keeping your readers and getting your readers but wait a sec i also have to make money and so you know i think it's kind of everybody's squeezing the publishers like everybody's squeezing them you know, advertisers are squeezing them to get, you know, to get more aggressive, lower, lower, lower rates, you know, less, uh, you know, give, give us more for less. Uh, 
you know, consumer uh, readers are squeezing because they don't like to see ads and they don't want to pay subscription. And then you have Facebook and Google with like AMP and, and Facebook. And it's an article saying, well, we want your site to load so much faster and be more convenient for people to come to our service. So you can't have all the ads that you normally have. You can't have all the stuff you normally have to make money. Uh, so there's a real tension between like what the sort of, I guess you could call them distributors and Facebook and Google want, what uh, advertisers want, what publishers need to actually like pay the bills and and what consumers want, which is like a speedy, a speedy ad free or nearly ad free experience right. without having to pay for it. So I'm glad that uh, Facebook is going to allow uh, these companies to charge subscription on uh, Facebook instant articles, but that's only going to help a handful of companies that have managed to make it yeah. with subscription. For the most part, it's very difficult to sell subscription um, to people. There are only a handful of, of media sites that are doing it successfully. Yeah. And I think those that are doing it successfully primarily are doing it on the strength of like old, old media brands like New York Times, New York Times. paper, paper of record, Wall Street Journal, uh, Washington Post. Who else do you know of that is successfully selling, selling subscriptions? That's it. Yeah. So everyone would like to. But you can't have it if you're just, you know, you can't have it if you're, unless you either have such that reputation uh -huh. that those old world places have. And a lot of those people are, I think, also cross-subscribed to the paper version of those. Right. Right. So they're like, oh, you still want a newspaper? Great. We'll throw in, uh -huh. you know, we'll throw in digital. Right. So, uh, but online only publications and, and things like that. Yeah, I think I don't know. It's 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 very difficult. It's so rough. I'm glad Facebook is doing this. What would be really nice is if the Facebooks and Googles of the world tried to find more ways to help publishers earn money yeah. through advertising. Uh and or frankly, maybe they should be sharing some of their revenue with us. Because the reason that people go to Google and the reason that people Go to, well, Facebook, they see content from other people, so yeah. you could argue how much do you really want news on Facebook? Well, you probably do, but like, right. you know, like having content available that is free on the open internet is gives them value. Google would not exist if there was not an open internet full of free websites. Uh huh. If everything was behind a paywall, Google would be worthless. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, so instead of just like, Hey, let me try and make it harder for you to do business. How about what they should be doing is trying to help to find every way they possibly can to help publishers succeed so that they can continue to have to be a good gateway to sure. the content. Yeah. That. That sounds perfectly reasonable to me. Um, the other thing that's coming, uh, it's not, it's it's a big deal, but not a huge deal. Uh, 
they're going to start putting publisher logos uh, next to content, which will help you when you get one of those nonsense articles. <laughs> uh, you'll be able to see who published it before you try to go there, because when you mouse over, it may lie to you about where it's going. Uh, so uh, Facebook wants to start uh, posting, this is who published it. And I think that's a great idea. And that's going to be on the trending and like anywhere that articles exist, they want to start putting uh, the logo of a publisher, which is something that I totally support. That's great because right now all you really have to go on with fake news is, uh, is like, do you trust the publisher? Right. Do you trust the outlet? Exactly. Because, you know, there's a, a lot of things that are floating around and people, you know, unfortunately in our media landscape today, what you believe is true very often comes down to what outlets you trust. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, so at the very least you as a Facebook user will be able to decide I'm going to click this cause I trust this source. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so uh, I think that's good. I, 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 I do kind of feel for Facebook in terms of like the whole fake news uh -huh. uh, debate, like saying that Facebook should be doing more to stop fake news because unfortunately, you know, then they become an arbiter of content uh -huh. and, and who's going to be the arbiter of content because we have, I mean, right now we have a large segment of the public, at least in the United States that doesn't, that doesn't even trust like CNN, which is an extremely mainstream middle of the road publication. So I don't think Facebook wants to be in the, in the, um, role of deciding what's true and false absolutely they have they have said that they do they are not happy being thrown into the middle where they are right now and i don't blame right. them at all yeah no I, I mean really i i understand their position like you as a you as a uh consumer of information should be savvy and not believe everything just because something was published doesn't mean that it has credibility right. behind it. Exactly. You can you, know, you can go to GoDaddy right now and get a domain for ninety nine cents and a, a WordPress blog for a dollar a month. That just because I mean, it's published do you, does not make it credible. I mean, when I was a, I won't believe this point, but when I was a kid, I remember going through the supermarket checkout line and you would see all these. Uh -huh. And by the way, they're all most of them are still there. Inquire is still there. Yep. Uh, and um, and you go through the supermarket checkout line, and you'd see some of these headlines, like an alien baby or whatever, and I'd be like, or an Elvis that spotting. That must be true because they wouldn't be able to, you know, to no place that can that can afford to like, you know print something and distribute it and get the supermarket to agree to carry it uh -huh. would be would be telling lies like that would they <laughs> there were always lies in the supermarket checkout line and now you don't even have to be able to print a million copies yeah. of something or however many copies that they had printed and just get supermarkets to put them on the shelf what's great about the internet is that we've lowered the barriers to entry so anyone can anyone can uh, get their voice out there. Mm -hmm. But that also means that you, as a consumer of this information, 
need to be skeptical. Yeah. You have to be listening to the voice to find out you know, what it's saying. Now, yeah. all that being said, I love the weekly world news. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it terribly. Like, I don't, I'm not saying the choir. I love the weekly world news. Okay. Uh, you know, I have a, I think they were from Florida. I think that they're totally out of out of business. But guys, if you're listening, just let me write one article. I would love to write an article for Weekly World News. That's like on my bucket list. So interesting. That's I just I, what I, what I want to know is like, do they just make it up whole cloth, or do they actually like go and listen to someone who's nutty and just take what they say as verbatim? The website is up and running. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've seen. I I don't know if it's still being like updated and whatever, but. I think there is still a website. Uh, 500 horsepower buggy, July 7th, 2017. Uh-huh. Anyway. So at least the one that I just saw wasn't too old. I still I still find them. I still... I, I found them very amusing. Anyway. Locusts invade Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look at that after the My show. Favorite- my that's favorite ridiculous. Weekly World News article of all time, which I had on print, was the one about a guy who was like a swami or something. He was he had learned some type of meditation, and he had not used the bathroom in, in 28 years <laughs> because he had trained his body to absorb everything that he put in it. I bet that man would have been interestingly shaped. <laughs> <laughs> if he existed. Right. The headline was Swami hasn't gone potty in eight years. Lovely. It's like, oh man. These guys get to, get to sit around all day. I mean, can you imagine the writers meeting? Oh my god. What haven't what haven't we done? Well, we haven't done one about a guy who hasn't gone to the bathroom in twenty eight years. Let's do it. Oh my goodness. Stop right there. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. All the music you love, play ad-free from one of the largest catalogs on the planet. You can listen anywhere you are, whether it be on your PC, your tablet, your phone, Android, iOS, uh, Windows, your Xbox, uh, or uh, just on the web. Plus, you can download music on up to three devices, so you don't have to use your data plan, you don't have to have internet access or jump on the Wi-Fi at the airport. Uh, You can... You can stream it all, or you can play it all right from your device, plus the things that you've come to expect. Playlists and custom radio stations based on artists and uh, genres and all of that. Plus, right now, we have a free 30-day trial available by going to f5live.tv slash groove. This has been a bit of a night of uh, things that touch us personally. So let's end with one more. <laughs> if I can get the music to pause in the background. Perfect. Okay. Um, let's end with one more. Uh, there's a company called VidAngel. V-I-D-A-N-G-E-L. I've been following this story for a while because they email me seemingly every week. <laughs> uh, right up until I... Uh, I replied to their PR director and that was the end of press releases from the company. Anyway, um, the, the company decided that some content might or might not be appropriate for viewers. Uh, 
and that you may not think that certain content is appropriate or not for yourself or your family or whatever. For example, um, the gold bikini scene in Star Wars, which is an example. Is that, are, are you just make, are you is that for real or yes. are you just like theorizing? Nope, that's for real. <laughs> so can I get them to edit the Ewoks out? <laughs> Keep the gold bikini, but can we get rid of the Ewoks? They kind of, they kind of, you know, harsh my mellow. I, I got I watch that movie. I got a better one for you in a minute. Um, so the way they decided to deal with this problem is to uh, to offer a streaming service that allows you to filter out content, uh, nudity, dialogue, things like that. Uh, my favorite of all of their filters. It's not an Ewok filter. It's a Jar Jar Binks filter. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Well, so so how does it work? Have you tried it? How does it actually function? So the so the way that it works today, because they're trying something different after this particular the end of the particular story that we're going to talk about, is different than it worked when this story started. Um, I imagine that the that this story will terminate the second one as well but the way it worked was uh they would go out and they would purchase a dvd a physical dvd uh for every person who wanted to filter content out of that movie and then they would remove the content and allow it to be streamed which i know sounds bizarre and a lot like zadiva which was not allowed to do that either even without the removing of content, Zadiva was not very, allowed to do this. That sounds very labor intensive. Did they like have five customers? Like how 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 did they manage to buy a DVD for each movie and then remove? I I don't know the internals. My guess is the way that they did it was they had uh, a copy of the movie, like a digital on streaming service copy of the movie that they had tagged this is nudity this is this is language this is this this is that and then you could turn it on and off and it would it would play or mute or skip uh, based on that and that the DVDs were merely for the same idiotic reason that Zadiva thought that they were going to get away with this crap <laughs> that because there was a, a physical copy for every customer that that would make it legal as it turns out, nope. The uh, uh, the appeals court for the ninth district this week uh, shut fully, put an end to Vid Angel at least in this policy. Um, and here's the reason why the gold bikini uh, is my my go to example. The judge said, "Star Wars is still Star Wars even without Princess Leia's bikini scene." Meaning, meaning that uh, that VidAngel could not argue that it was a remix, which is something that is is protected. Uh, it's common in music, right, to take uh, an original work and then make changes to it, remix it, add add and remove things, and then redistribute it as a unique, new, unique piece of of uh, content. The, the judge was very clearly stating 
that Star Wars without the gold bikini is still Star Wars. So that argument will not work. They also tried to argue that it um, that it fell within the uh, Family Movie Act of 2005, which allows an individual, a single human being, to uh, crack content that they own to remove objectionable content, but not to store it. Well, a company doing it and then distributing it in a new form does not apply. I don't know how an individual would do this. What do you, what do you mean? Like, I don't I know. To, I, what does that even mean? I like, do not know. I think I think it allows you to to like rip your DVD and then uh, uh, mute segments so that you could play it at home so that maybe your your kids wouldn't hear language. I don't know. It's a very it's a very strange. Uh, Why act. does there even need to be a law for that? Because I mean, I, if I don't share it with anyone, who would know? And right. who would I know? Like, come, they come into my house and see if I mute muted the movie. Like, I know, I know. It, it's a little. I mean, yes, it is very strange. Uh, I. Yeah. So, and also with the DVD thing, did they actually like have like a whole bunch of just like a server farm of DVD players or something? No, nope. that's how Zadiva worked, but that's not how this worked. Uh, the DVDs were just because they legitimately thought that they were going to be protected by the FMA. Oh, in other words, so like as long as we have a copy, as long as we have it somewhere, even though it's all on a big hard drive, uh huh. As long as we have a copy for every person, every person concurrently streaming it, basically, right? Because these yes. weren't bought to buy; they were to rent. Correct. Right? Correct. So, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's it's fascinating. Uh, Zadiva was stepped on for a lot of the same practices several years ago, um, and then. On top of the things that Zadiva did that was proven to be against the law, these guys were also altering copyrighted content. <laughs> there was no way, no way this case ended in VidAngel's favor. So what? how was Zadiva different? Uh, Zadiva, didn't, Zadiva didn't uh, alter any content, and they would physically put a DVD into a player... And play it to your computer. So was there a guy sitting there and, and like fast forwarding past the parts for you? Like no, there was there was no, no no there was none of the editing stuff. It was just a streaming service. Oh okay. Yeah, it was just the it was just the streaming aspect. It didn't have any of the content control stuff. Well, they didn't have a reason. Like this VidAngel thing, while I don't agree with it, has there's an audience for that. There right? is. There's an audience for, of people who want who who want their films to be like, you know, made more family friendly. I, I used to not have any sympathy for that. But being a parent, I do have some sympathy for sure. it because it's like you want to show your kids these things. You know, like you could say, well, why don't you just show them like, you know, G rated stuff. But, you know, you kind of would rather see Star Wars. So <laughs> now now I take the position, my son is five, that we, you know, I can't get him to sit through it. 
but I take the position that he should, it's fine. Let him watch star Wars. That's cool. You know, my number one concern is, is curse words because Uh if he goes into school and starts saying that stuff, I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh So, so like, as long as he, as long as he doesn't say, learn any bad words or he doesn't try to like emulate something that he sees in a movie, like something violent, uh, you know, and obviously you don't want to have to explain like adult content to, to, to kids. Like the Romeo and Juliet law. Yes, like the Romeo and Juliet law day with, yeah, Transformers Four all of a sudden made itself less. Like, can they filter that part out? Because <laughs> that's one where they actually like added a layer of adult content in that was completely unnecessary. <laughs> um, but you know, like, I mean, obviously, some people are very like they just don't they. Th- they don't believe like they think that like the bikini scene is, is a real problem. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's parents try to kind of put what they're thinking into the minds of children. Like if it's a young enough child, they're not going to have a thought about like, Oh, you know, it's a bikini plus, you know, plus it's a swimsuit. If you've ever taken the kid to the beach. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> You know, that's but, why it's my my favorite example. I'm so glad that the judge used that example. I mean, that that's that's kind of the, the, the egregious case. But, you know, listen, if you're showing somebody, you know, like you want to show them something and there's a lot of curse words in it here, here, I'll give you I'll give you an example. I would love to show my son space balls. Right. <laughs> sure. We'd love to show him one. Of the, it came on the other day. I turn on. I didn't remember it having so many like, you know, naughty words in it, uh, but it did. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't have that. What if he goes to nursery school and says this? I'm going to be in big trouble. So, so you know, like, would it be nice if there was a version of it where you know how how many curse words were there in it? Maybe not that many that like you could have lived without them. You know, right? So. You know, I, I understand that, but that's really for the studio to provide. Right. And they do sometimes. Right? Absolutely. Right? So they do sometimes. And, and, and then, you know, you have network television also does it. But I presumably they do that with the permission of the studio. Right. Yeah. This was not just without the permission. It was uh, without seeking the permission. It was full on without the permission. The studios, wow. res- the, you know, the studios actively said, no, well, we don't want don't our content would... altered by a third party. I can't imagine. Well, if I were them, I wouldn't ask either because then they're going to get a hard no mm-hmm. because I, no artist wants to put artistic control in your hands, you know, and, and to say you're editing a scene out. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's hardcore. There was no. there was a, a DVD rental company. I don't remember the name of it. Like 20 years ago, who tried this exact same thing. There's a joke on Family Guy about it um, where lackluster video had edited uh, Barbara Streisand's nose. <laughs> <laughs> 
because they were trying to remove objectionable content. So, <laughs> now, anyway, so a, D, a, a, a VHS rental company tried to do this exact same thing and got smacked down two decades ago. There, there was so much, like, legal precedent <laughs> already in like place that there was no way. These people were either completely delusional or just out to make a name for themselves in a crazy way. Now, if they, I mean, if they want to, like, did you ever see that movie Be Kind Rewind? Uh-huh. With Jack Black. Wow. And, uh... Like, if they want to make their own, which is probably also a copyright violation, but I think that would have more cred. Like, you know, <laughs> just sit there and sit there and try to act out Star Wars <laughs> and just and don't act as a, and just like put on like a yeah. full pantsuit. Have Princess Leia put on a full pantsuit for that scene. At, at that point, it would almost certainly be considered parody and you could almost right. definitely get away with it. <laughs> somebody did this, by the way, not oh. not the morality version. Right. <laughs> uh, somebody did this for morality. Revenge of the Sith. It's on YouTube somewhere. They did a scene for scene remake of Revenge of the Sith. Ooh. But they didn't even try to do most of the special effects. Sure. Or the or or the scenery. So it's like in someone's living room. <laughs> you could clearly see it or whatever. You know, like there's very very so. That's funny. You know, I, I don't know if I could watch a whole like two hours of uh-huh. it, but watch a few minutes. It's hilarious. That's um, funny. Anyway. Anyway, so I digress. So uh, the the important takeaway here is that uh, altering somebody else's content for your own personal profit not going to stand up in court. And that is our show. Uh, thank you to those of you who have joined us live. I've seen people uh, in all of our chat rooms this evening. Thank you for joining us. If you weren't able to join us live, that is okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you can uh, subscribe to all of our shows and uh, listen on your time at your convenience. Um, next month is almost entirely a normal month for us, which will be fantastic right up until the last weekend uh, which is the weekend that uh, I will be at Anime Weekend Atlanta I will actually be in a car during our normal time uh, so I'll be trying to uh, create some content while we're there uh, but definitely for the new series I don't know what to call it yet if you guys have any ideas on what to call our little travel series uh, let me know I've got a couple of ideas but definitely be interested in hearing some uh, outside ideas so um yeah, so next month, almost totally normal. And so uh, I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.